So good morning, kia ora whanau. Welcome to Simple September, week two. Uh, last week we had a crack at looking at Sabbath, about the place of rest and refreshment that the Bible talks about. Simple September, we're trying to, um, most of you have a computer, um, and when you turn it on it has a set of default settings. Yep, and unless you change those settings, that's what it will always do. Um, so in some ways in Simple September we're just taking a breath and having a look at some default settings and trying to hold on to that sense of being changed from the inside out rather than pressured from outside, which comes up in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paying attention to some inward voices. And this week is about stillness. What we're going to do this morning is you're going to hear from six people. I'm one of them. Um, and then we'll have a little prayer exercise. And the reason we took looking at stillness is... Again, I just don't think it's our default setting. I had a conversation this week with someone who told me they feel like we always have to say something. Now, they were talking about um, when someone's dealing with a health issue or when someone dies, we front up, and you just want to fill in the gap. You want to keep speaking. And they were saying how much more important presence was. I don't think our stillness is our default. I don't think it's our normal. Now, if it doesn't fit, if what we say today doesn't fit for you, that's okay. Okay, you might be left cold, walk away afterwards and go, yeah, what are they on about? Fine. Um, but I would invite you just to listen and kind of keep an ear out for, I suspect, in amongst the things that are said, there'll be something for you to go, oh, I could try a bit of that. Okay. The reason I think it's hard for us is when we're born, the only communication we've got is to go, wah, wah, which can be translated into, I want, I want, and the trouble for the young parents is, what do I want? Well, it could be that I'm hungry, or I'm tired, or I need a cuddle, or a change. I know which ones you're hoping it's not. <laughs> and that's kind of, I think, where most of us, not everyone, but most of us start in praying, we say, I want, I want. It's called petitionary prayer, and it's a great place to start with God. We pray and we ask God for healing or provision. Can you give me this? Or provision for those guys who've, um, in Mexico who've been hit by an earthquake and now there's hurricanes threatening. We ask for things. Or maybe, God, I'm in town and I'm lining late, can I have a car park? We ask God for stuff. And I genuinely think it's quite a good place to start. But I'm very shaped because I had this time working with drug addicts and most of them didn't know Jesus. And they, their first encounter with God was that, that in a place of some pain, of withdrawal, we'd be saying to them, call out to God. And they would call out to God and they were answered. It was astonishing. Um, and so the first thing they knew about God was that when they called out for help, God answered them. God was interested. What a great place to start. That is superb. So it's not bad, but probably the times you most enjoy as a parent with your baby, or someone else's baby, is not always the moment when they're screaming, I went. It's more when you're just there together, enjoying each other's company. You know, that kind of joy, that presence. And in fact, as we grow up into adults or as we are growing up, shall we say, because I'm not sure if I've made adult yet, I don't know about you, but the people who all they do is they want stuff. They keep asking, asking, asking. They're not a lot of fun, are they? 
there's something about... In fact, you can get the sense that they don't just don't love you, they just don't like you, they just want stuff. Fundamentally, relationships are about more than asking. And I think that has something to say to us about prayer. So there are some voices of scripture that speak to other than I want. In fact, the famous Psalm 23 starts with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or, actually, the latest NIV says, I lack nothing. Approaching God not, or recognizing God not on the basis of want, which is different to us, not our normal. Prayer that is about being caught in the presence of God or being in the presence of God is not only about talking. Maybe putting down our agendas to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for God. I don't think it's our norm. I think it's the opposite of the culture we live in that says that times of stillness and quiet and waiting, well, they're bad, aren't they? They're boring, unexciting. So uh, time for me to watch a movie <laughs> or do something, something from outside to keep me stimulated because our culture is built on wanting stuff and we are trained to consume behind our tablets or computers and constantly be stuffing ourselves with things and so a voice that says be still and know that I am God is a strange voice for us. But we pray your kingdom come and the problem with only approaching God based on what I want is I'm caught in my own agendas. And I want your kingdom to come. How do I get there? What gets me past myself so that I am caught up into God's bigger story? God's bigger story that has this flow of creation and fall and redemption and restoration. A bigger story. A story worth living and dying for. The presence of what is God doing in the world. How do I get there from prayer when my first point often is a motivation of I want? Well, I do think it's got something to do with putting down our agendas and enjoying being with God. I don't think I find it easy. Mother Teresa was once asked, when you pray, what do you say during your prayers? And she said, I listen. And it was, this is a dated story. Dan Rather was the guy. He said, well, what does God say? And Mother Teresa said, he listens. Is that prayer? I, I um, was reading a kid's book, which I do on occasion, um, and there's this phrase in it that really struck me about what happens when you are still. It's not a Christian book, but in the book there's a, a six-year-old, Claudia, who says to, uh, says to Mrs. Frank Wheeler that you should learn something, one new thing every day. And Mrs. Frank Wheeler answers and says, no, I don't agree with that. I think you should learn, of course, and some days you must learn a great deal but you should also have days when you allow what is already in you to swell up inside of you until it touches everything. And you can feel it inside you. If you never take out, sorry, if you never take time out to let that happen, then you just accumulate facts and they begin to rattle round inside of you. 
You can make noise with them, but never fe really feel anything with them. It's hollow. Strange quote, but what hit me is that sometimes I rattle. I haven't managed to integrate the stuff in my life. I haven't managed to fit it. And I think this is something that happens in the presence of God. It's easy to have lots of ideas, but the road to being whole seems to take time. Trouble is, like George here, you sit down, you try and be still, and all, all of a sudden there's all this stuff going on in you. You know, there's emotions and thoughts bubbling up from underneath. And, and so, like George, you run into the traffic. It's not as easy to be still as we'd think because we have this stuff going on. And to some extent, it seems to be you have to somehow just try and not let it take over. Now, that's personal experience, and I like the cartoon. How do you do that? Well, I'm no expert. We're going to hear from five other people about what's been helpful. But I'll just tell you one thing that I came across a couple of weeks ago, and it has actually been really helpful for me. That is a couple of weeks, so, you know, jury's out. There's a writer, Richard Rohr, who says, when he's writing about prayer, he says, first of all, understand the Holy Spirit is talked about as living water, as a, a spring of water welling up inside of you to eternal life. And then he says, if you look in the book of Revelation, there is a river of the water of life, which he says, is that the same thing as the Spirit? In Revelation, flowing through the city. And so he suggests that in prayer, you are recognizing the river of God's Holy Spirit in you. He thinks that faith is trusting the river to trust the flow and the lover. And that's not a process you have to push or force because you don't have to push the river. You just have to trust there is a river. It's flowing and we're in it. So I was really taken with this. And so this is something I've tried in prayer lately and found it really helpful. I imagine myself standing thigh deep in a river, the river of God's love, the river of the Spirit of God. I don't have to do anything to be there. The water's moving or still, it might be rippling, it might be, don't know what temperature it is. The river of God's Spirit in the world that will do what it will do that will bring restoration. Now, I'm a bit of a water boy. I like rivers. I've kayaked lots and spent a lot of time mucking around rivers. I really like that image. I found that really helpful because it helps me take myself out of myself. But you're not just going to hear from me. You need to hear from some other people. Chris, do you know where the mic is? Oh, cool. David, would you like to come tell us a little bit about stillness and prayer? How things are for you. Good morning. For me, being still in prayer is taking time to listen to what God is saying. And like Colin said, that's normally not my natural response. 
and how do I do that? Well, I guess for me it's a process because it's not my default setting that entails me having to put off the things which are top of mind for me. You know, things that might be my immediate needs, my wants, things that have affected me. But recognising that there's a bigger picture that God sees, but often I'm only seeing the surface of things. And really what I'm wanting is to understand God's view of my circumstances and situations. And if I just continue to live on the surface of that, I'm never really going to hear about what's really going on. Because I think when I start to understand a bit more about that, then the surface issues start to make more sense. And I can see that in themselves, they're, they're a result of what God's allowing to happen or what God's doing deeper down. So getting still, I guess it's getting ready to, to be able to listen to what God's saying. Often for me, it's learning to ask the right questions. Um, not quite at the stage that Mother Teresa's at and just listening and God listening. I perhaps need to download sometimes to God some of the stuff that, that is happening at the surface because that's affecting my emotions, that's affecting my relationships, that, that's affecting the world in which I live. But I'm learning to enjoy the silence with God. I'm learning to enjoy that just being in God's presence is refreshing to my spirit. Even though I may not necessarily hear anything or discern something, to know that I am in God's presence just brings a sense of security. It brings a sense of purpose that, yes, this is who I am, that I'm, I'm God's son. And, you know, when you sort of get down to that basis of relationship, that puts everything else in perspective for me, that the, the circumstances of today, they're only a very small part of the circumstances of eternity. Colin had the, the uh, scripture, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I think for me it's not just about being still, but it's in that stillness, knowing that he is God. And I think it's when I get down to that level and that God reminds me of who he is and reminds me who I am in, in his context. That brings a, a sense of confidence and a sense of purpose. Being still and knowing that he's God. Confident that he's Lord of my life, that he's Lord of my situations and that the best thing I can do is trust him. I found sometimes that when I'm still and that when I've come into God's presence, he will use um, pictures which I like to think are like parables that Jesus used to talk about, that how we as people engage with the visual. And sometimes he will remind me of a picture or a circumstance that's happened in, in my life or happened recently and he'll use that to speak to me. One example of that is recently um, I went out with Blair to help repair his batch and it's an old batch that requires a lot of repairing, um, a lot of it significant repair and this day we were focusing on the front of the batch and 
at the corner of the house there was a uh, a beam, is it a beam or a, I'm not sure, a stud, post, something like that. I'm, I'm not really a builder. And the person had repaired down the side and they had repaired over this corner post and there was a bulge in it. And I thought, oh, okay, we'll just slap something on the front and job done. But Blair's brother came along and said, no, that's not good enough. You know, that should be straight. And I thought, that, well, for that to be straight, you've got to take off this cladding on the side then you've got to deal with uh, the old post and the dwangs or whatever that are pushing it out. So that's a lot of work. He said, that's right, we'll do it. Oh, okay, so we did it. We knocked out the old rotten post, put the new one in, put the other wall back on, and it was straight, and then put the front on. And I thought, wow, I'm glad that Blair's brother was around here doing that. But then a few days later, when I was, I was talking with God and reminding him, of the lists of things that I had, the wants and things. He brought that picture to mind and said, that's what I'm doing in you. He said, I'm not satisfied just to slap a piece on the front and to know there's a bulge there, something needs to be fixed. He said, I'm in the structure, I'm in the deep stuff, I'm fixing that. Now, because I had that mental picture, that just doesn't go away, that stays with me. And I think that's what God does, that as we wait in stillness and say, God, what are you doing? And we expect him to speak, he does. So I encourage you, um, enjoy the stillness. You might not even hear God saying something orderly or discern stuff, but just enjoy being in his presence. Um, I think that one word that people often use to describe me is busy. Um, and I was convicted the other week about busy versus full. Um, I tend to do a lot of things, and I like what I do, I enjoy what I do, and after last week I was really convicted of, you know, the Sabbath is about what you, um, you know, not what you have to do, and it's about resting, and I was like, and what you find, get enjoyment from. And I was like, well, I get enjoyment from everything that I do, so... You know, that I'm, I'm all good. And everyone's always like, Haven, slow down. Haven, stop. You know, Haven, coffee does not sustain you for the rest of your life. Um, and so over the last week, I've really been challenged as to where do I find my rest and how do I find it? And I was talking to a friend throughout the week, and we both had really rubbish days. And I was like, I'm going to go and write about it. And I forgot that I journal. I have journaled for years, and I had never perceived that to be a manner of resting. I'm an active rester. I don't like sitting, doing nothing. I don't like just silence. Um, and I think as like I'm a, almost, almost qualified social worker, I'm in my final couple of weeks, and you have this tendency to take on things of other people. You know, busy people, they, you, people come to busy people because they know the job will get done. And so you have a tendency to always be more busy than what you've got time for. And probably every couple of days, I always take the time to sit and reflect on what has been. And so it wasn't until, yeah, during this week, I was like, actually, I do rest, but I had put that as a, another task to complete. I didn't perceive my rest as rest because it was something that I ought to do. I ought to sit and write because as social workers, they, talk, they teach us to reflect on what we've been doing in life and, you know, you have to pass on those 
that those burdens. You can't hold on to the emotions of everyone around you. You're not responsible for everyone around you. And I think, um, so for me, actually having that, that light bulb moment of going, I don't value rest. I see it as another tick box. Yep, cool, rested, sweet, move along. Things to do. People want me to do things. I love doing them, you know, and I get great enjoyment. But I ought to do them. Um, and so, like, for me, I, what I find now, literally within the last, like, four days, <laughs> when after I was asked to speak last Sunday, I was like, oh, crap, rest. Um, but in the last four days, being really convicted about actually rest doesn't need to be a great... Um, something different in your life. It doesn't need to be something that you only do here, that it's completely separate. It can be routine, and it needs to be routine, and it needs to be natural, because otherwise we burn out. And so I journal, and now that I realise that actually journaling is rest, because what I do is I write out all my emotions, and I'm a very emotional person, so I write out all of my emotions and everything that I've been doing, and then I finish it with a prayer. And I looked through the journals from the last couple of months, and I was like, mm, I haven't really been doing the prayer part of that. It's just kind of been like a vent on paper. If anyone ever read these, they'd think I'm insane. And then I found the ones from last year, and I found the ones that I had gone back to, and I had written that when God had answered my prayers. So for me, I need to externalise the busyness and externalise what's going on in my life, bring it to God, but then also, I think that closure is really key of going, you know, I've had all of this rubbish going on. God, help me. God, thank you for being there for me. And then actually acknowledging the work that God's doing in our lives, not just leaving it as a dead. Some things I think you do just need to leave and move on. But some things, you know, you've, it's important to acknowledge the fact that God is moving and God is moving in the small things and in the big things and the things that stress you out and in the good things. Um, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's not just a case of, like Colin said, I want, I want, I want, I want but acknowledging that God is good in those moments, that God, um, you know, that he, we, we're really blessed in New Zealand. We, are, you know, I'm very blessed to have the time and the resources to do what I do, to have people around me, to have employers who are willing to let me work till one o'clock in the morning because that's all the time that I've got, you know, because I need to make money because being a student is great. Um, but we have so much flexibility, and I think it gets, we get so easy, easily caught up in doing and not just being. And so over the last week as well, I was really challenged. I was originally going to be going to a camp this weekend um, out in Glenroy, and I had said, sorry, I'm too busy. So after last week, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm too busy to go and spend a weekend with God. Mm, cringe, conviction. Um, and so I went out yesterday just for the afternoon, and there was no agenda. It was brilliant. And I was talking to Kim about this before. It's a, 
it's not a one or the other. It's not a day to day and then running away and having that space. But it's actually about finding the balance. What are you doing each and every day that is restful, that is still, that is communicating with God and giving your life to him? But then what are you doing that is an in, even more intentional, like that level up of going, you know, God, I've been doing all of this for so long. I just need to breathe and I just need to be. And I came back in at whatever time it was last night and, and he's come back into reception and the phone starts dinging. So it's like ding, ding, email, email, actually emails from Colin, ding, ding, you know, about this morning. Um, from messages from my mum, you know, when are you coming home? Um, those kind of things. And I was like, it was really nice just to fully disconnect. And we live in a we can't fully disconnect every day. We would love to. I'm sure we would all love to, you know, never have to communicate with anyone, never have to respond to anyone and just sit in the presence of God 24-7. But sometimes things have to get done. So it's about finding that balance of sustaining yourself through the day. So for me, that's my journaling. I also like to have coffees with God. Um, I laughed when Karen said that the other week. Um, Just... Finding those small opportunities and then taking the time out for that big opportunity just to sit and just to be and to remove all distractions. And, you know, like I said, it's really hard, I think, being a person who is busy because everyone, or people, when people recognise you've got gifts or talents or strengths or a passion for something because then it's like, oh, they'll do that and I know if they ask them that they'll do that. And learning to say no... So, you know, my mum wanted me to do things yesterday, and I was like, no, sorry, I'm going an hour and a half away. And she's like, why? And I'd like to be with God. And she's not a Christian, and she just kind of looked at me. She's like, you're denying helping your mother to go and be with God? And I said, yes, because it's important. Because I'm in my final six weeks. I've got so much due and so many assessments to work on, but if I don't commit my life to God first, doing things in my own strength... I run the risk of burning out. Uh, It's not a life worth living for God. And so for me, you know, that's what it is. It's those two things of being still in prayer with God. What are you doing each day? And when are you levelling up and dedicating more than just five minutes for God? Good morning, good morning. So, I've titled this wee talk here, Finding God in the Midst of a Busy Family Life with Three Young, Very Active Children. And it's interesting to be asked to do this, because Sarah and I have been grappling recently with just how busy our lives have become. There's no real time for Sarah and I to sit down and have just us time. And a lot of it's really good stuff, but sometimes I feel like I'm a little gopher on a wheel, just running as fast as I can but not really getting anywhere. It's hard to find time just to sit and be still with God. And I think busyness must be a common problem. Um, last Sunday after, after church, I was driving in the car listening to a Focus on the Family podcast. And the title of the talk was Finding Peace and Purpose in the Midst of a Busy Schedule. And I think God must have been really working on my heart on this because the very next day I was reading um, in Daily Bread and it was on stepping into strength. 
And it was about how we can't do things on our own. We do need time to slow down and listen to God and to refresh. And there were a couple of key verses I thought were really good. One of them was, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And another one was, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. The words that stuck out to me there were devote, look, and seek. Now, personally, I really, really struggle with trying to get a set routine, a set time to spend with God every day. But as I've got older, I've realized I can find God in three quite different ways. For me, I'm close to God when I'm out in creation. You know, I can be out in the kayak in Akarau Harbour, and I'll just feel God's presence, and it'll overwhelm me sometimes. Or I could be mountain biking in the forest or walking on the beach with a dog, and I can find God there. Worship is another time where I find God and I can hear his voice. And then sometimes when it all hits the fan, I'm lying in bed at four o'clock in the morning in a bit of a turmoil. It's amazing how earnestly you can seek God's face. As a family, as I've said, we've got quite a busy routine. And it's hard with three little kids to sit down and um, be quiet with God. But there are some things that we do do to try and do just that. So, number one, Sarah and I most mornings have a coffee in bed before we get up. And we try and do a little bit of a Bible reading and a little bit of a prayer time. And if the kids are there, they join in with us. And we're trying to teach them to to pray about the little things as well. Secondly, we've got a really good um, family devotion book by Max Licardo. And it's got three separate sections. And each of the girls reads out their own special section. And sometimes I wonder how much of this actually sinks in when the kids are fighting over the duvet or who's going to sit on mum's knee. But other times, it all just seems to gel. And they're listening and they're thinking. And I tell you what, as a parent, there's nothing I'm prouder of when I'm sitting, listening to my children, thinking about God's word, digesting it and asking questions. Seeing their faith sort of bud and burst into bloom is really quite amazing. And then finally... We try to, or I try to, um, when I'm dropping the kids off, like school was somewhere important, just say a couple of words of prayer with the kids before they go. And it's all about trying to bring God into everyday lives. Um, Because it is, it is really hard to make set time. But if you can just grab God in the small moments of your day, I think that can work too. Who's next? Good morning. I always used to, uh, I used to struggle with prayer or trying to get the time to, to pray. Um, a bit like as Blair has been talking about. And uh, about 20 years ago, I, I read uh, a book on prayer by uh, Richard Foster, and uh, which which I'd recommend. I can't remember a lot of it now, but the, the, one of the things I got out of it was prayer is a conversation, and um, it's starting that conversation. And you can start it any way. You just say hello, basically. And I find conversations a lot easier when I'm doing something with the person, uh, doing particularly something mundane. And increasingly over the last few years, um, I've... I've found that I'm more restful when I'm on my own. I prefer, I quite often prefer to be on my own, to be honest. 
And, um, uh, and the only time I get on my own now is driving, driving to work or driving home, really. So I find now that um, I do most of my praying in the car. So I can concentrate on driving, but I pray at the same time. And um, this year I've, I've started using an audio book of the Bible in the car, and I find that a good way of focusing. And I pray from that. But increasingly, I just turn everything off. And as I'm driving, and I drive north to Amberley every weekday, and uh, you get the fantastic view of Mount Grey. And every day there's, different, there's a different sky, um, and Mount Grey gets bigger and smaller because of that sky for some reason. And I find that, uh, as Blair was talking about, being in creation, I find that God's talking to me. And I can talk back, and we can have that conversation. And in that, uh, in that conversation, I feel still. Um, so rather than trying to be still to pray, I find that prayer makes me still and makes me restful as well. Wow, I'm inspired. Um, so I, I have had a good week of reflection too. I think there's nothing like saying you'll stand up and say something to actually realise you need to have something to stand up and say. Um, <clears throat> and realising that I've been walking with God for 40 years now, 40 years of trying to figure out how to get close to him and how to stay close to him and how to hear from him and how to build a relationship with him and various guilt trips and non-guilt trips. But my anchor scriptures over the years has been uh, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And I guess I paraphrase that as doing the important rather than the urgent. And we've heard lots about how the urgent drives us. And I guess even the word busy, one of the challenges in our modern lives, we are heroes for being busy almost, is to remind ourselves of the importance of stopping, being stilling, knowing that God is God. And, and lots of the others have talked about the, how vital it is to find that perspective. So in the midst of Jesus saying, don't worry, because that's where that scripture comes in Matthew 6, he's saying, don't worry about what you wear, what you eat, what you, God knows what you need is what he says. So seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and everything else, I've got it. I've got it all. All the other stuff, I've got it. So this has always meant to me that when I put God first, he takes care of the rest. Um, and over 40 years of being a Christian, there's been different emphases at different times and stages in my life. And I guess there's a number of keys in that scripture for me. And the first one is seek. Fascinating. I got up feeling awful this morning. And I don't think I can do this. And I don't think I should go. And da 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 da. And I thought, oh, yeah, you're going to do something for God. Of course it's going to be hard. Of course you're going to feel awful. Do you ever feel great when you're going to stand up and do something for God? So it takes effort. I've got to seek. And he's reminding us that we have to be intentional, and others have talked about that, and focused. I have to fight my natural tendencies to take the easy way out. And the devil will distract me from anything about seeking God. Don't forget, we've got somebody against us. We're not just struggling against our own human stuff. When I was working shift work, 
Seek first the kingdom of God meant getting up before the morning shift about 5am when I worked at Burwood and lived in Sprayden, believing that I needed my time with God more than I needed sleep. Seek first the kingdom of God meant trusting God for the energy for the day and the resources for the day. And first is the other key word for me in that verse. It's like your tithe. You give God the first of your time, the first of your energy, the first of your resources, and trusting that in doing that, he'll resource me because he knows what my day holds for everything I need when I put him first. Part of what I need as I seek God, and the others have said this too, is I need God's perspective on who I am to him and how he sees what's happening in my life. Seeking first the kingdom of God has an aspect of faith. If I put God first, do I believe that he will take care of all the things that matter to me? I need time with God to have the resources of God to do my day God's way. I need to pause and read scripture and listen to what God is saying. Writing down what I think that God is saying has been a key to being able to go back and reflect on God's faithfulness to me over the years. So I brought you an example of yesterday, because I got very focused yesterday. Remembering, do not worry, seek first. So this is my chat with God yesterday. Lord, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, giving you my first thoughts for the day as you remind me of how you enable me to be in the world, strong in my hope in you, strong to do what is right, not what is necessarily easy. Challenging and strengthened by, your, by you to live well your way. Giving God my first means he can fill and strengthen me to be my best in the day he is preparing me for as part of the plan he has for my life. It's like as I go out into the unknown of every day, God says, choose me first, and in choosing me you have chosen the one who has all you need for today and setting you up to live the life God planned when he knit me together in my mother's womb. And yet, Lord, so often I neglect to come to you. I choose not to seek you first, and on those days I'm believing the lie that I don't need you and can live the life you have called me to in my own strength. So that was yesterday's chat with God. So after having worked at putting God first and tried with his help to live his way, have all these things been given to me? Has the promise been true? I've not had the life I planned, or I expected, but I have a full and rich life walking with God, and my habit of being still and knowing that God is God is vital to this. I'm with Kim. Um, there's inspiration there. Just reflect a couple of some words that I have heard. Devote. Look. Seek. Journal. Trust. And drive, though I'm hoping that's with the eyes open. What we want to do, if I can have the team come up, what we're going to do is just give everybody uh, a, a moment or two to do some practice. Um, so I'm going to read you. We will finish before 12. Um, I'm going to uh, invite you to breathe the air, shake your shoulders, just, you know, if you're feeling tense. 
try and feel untense for a moment, just take a little holiday from that. Um, And I'm going to lead you in a very short devotion with a bit of space in it. After that, I'm going to read out, um, Be still and know that I am God. That's God speaking, obviously. Um, And uh, have a bit of space around it, and then read out just a little bit less of that, and a little bit less, and a little bit less. Then we'll have a bit of a gap. And then the team's going to lead us as our final song, uh, singing, It is well with my soul. Now, I do want to acknowledge that when you are still, present in the presence of God, that can be glorious. And some of you will go, can we not just stay here? There may be some who feel really unsettled, and to go into singing it as well in my soul can be a bit jarring because you could think, actually, I'm not feeling well in my soul. I'm feeling, that's okay. Yep, that is okay. It's something to fuel your prayer. I'd recommend you to do some journaling. And actually, to sing the song, I'd suggest if that's how you feel, then you sing it as a prayer, looking forward, saying, God, I want it to be well in my soul. Struggle isn't always bad for us. Struggle is how often how God works. So if that's you, you have permission. Sound all right? Um, You may close your eyes or open your eyes or do whatever it is that it does so that we can just have a little practice at being still.